there are movies, movies made before you were born, before even your parents were born. They are films enjoyed by your grandparents in dark, single-screen movie theaters or late at night on broadcast television. Thumbnail images hyping these films stare back at you as you browse through Tubi, Prime, and Pluto. Many are in black and white. Others don't even have sound. Many of them look trippy and weird. They have titles like Duck Soup, Spider Baby, Touch of Evil. You want to watch one of these movies, but which one? There are so many. Don't worry, we're here to sort through it all and help you find the right movie to watch. And we'll pair it with the right cannabis strain to send you on your trip through movie history. This week, we are going dark as fuck with the inescapable fatalism of the film noir classic Detour from 1945 and director Sam Fuller's shocking and subversive neo-noir, The Naked Kiss from nearly 20 years later. Start your cinematic journey on the wrong side of town. Right here on Old Movies for Young Stoners. We have returned for our shocking seventh episode of Old Movies for Young Stoners. I am Bob Calhoun, author of The Murders That Made Us, a true crime history of the San Francisco Bay Area, available wherever tawdry trade paperbacks are sold. Find out more at MurdersThatMadeUs.com. We have a special guest this week, but first, let me introduce our young stoners. First, she is an actor and voice talent appearing in Chippendale Rescue Rangers, now streaming on Disney+. Plus. She is Felina Franklin. Woo! Thank you. Um, also known as fan number one on Rescue Rangers, which you can watch now. <laughs> it feels like we've been saying it's coming, it's coming soon for yeah. like months now. But it's here. It's here. <laughs> And then we have co-founder of the show and your guide on the Hollywood Punk Rock Graveyard Tour. Search for it on Facebook or find it on Instagram at Punk Rock Graveyard Tour. He is Corey Sklar. Hey, everybody. I feel like getting really tight tonight. Hey, <laughs> you know, you know what? Greg Franklin, what are you doing here? I'm not on assignment. I'm <laughs> off assignment. It feels great to be free of assignments that's co-founder <laughs> of the show greg franklin uh co-founder of six point harness studios uh director of tignataro drawn all co-found, that stuff. co-founder of felina franklin co-founder oh, yeah. of <laughs> franklin yes <It's> true <laughs> i have co-founded many things <laughs> <laughs> and this week we have a special guest he is the manager of the movie section at Torn Right Records in Cincinnati, Ohio, and the programmer of the cult movie film series at Cincinnati's Esquire Theater at 320 Ludlow Avenue. They're showing The Harder They Come on May 25th, and they've got a Ooh. pretty sweet sword and sandal series going right now. 
Let's meet the man behind it. Welcome to the podcast, Justin Weesey. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me on. I'm a big fan of the show. Yeah, and, and thanks for being on the show. What what draws you to old movies for young stoners? What brings you here? Well, I really like the mission statement of your podcast, trying to get younger people into older movies. There's a lot of discourse online these days about uh, not watching films if they're like pre-1980. There's writers that get articles published about films that confess that they refuse to watch old movies and that all old movies are bad. And I think that if you if you limit when you're watching or cons- or what eras you're consuming art, you're just playing yourself. So I'm, I'm glad to be on this show because uh, movies and weed are two things I care a lot about. So well said. You know, you're from Cincinnati and there are some fans of Cincinnati's regional cuisine, the chili. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you have to say for Cincinnati's chili? I like Cincinnati chili. Um, I understand that like describing it is probably off-putting to a lot of people, <laughs> but um, I've always been a fan. I'm not a huge Skyline guy. Um, I prefer mm-hmm. some of like the, the mom and pop restaurants around town. Um, shout out to Blue Ash Chili, uh, Pleasant Ridge Chili, and my mm. favorite le- my favorite name, uh, Chili Time. Oh, it's Chili Time right now. I didn't even think that there was mom and pop places that I could discover there. I'm never going to go to Skyline. I'm just going to try out these mom and pop places when I, <laughs> when I finally do my Cincinnati Chili tour of Cincinnati. Hey, Corey, I, there waiting. is one. There's one in uh, Burbank. There's, what? Uh, uh, there's skyline you can not a skyline it's uh it's an old it's called chili john's oh chili and john's a, has cincinnati chili i've always wanted to. that's go the kind of chili that they that they have oh um, i can't wait you get it with uh with your spaghetti noodles your oyster crackers your pound of cheddar cheese on top um it's uh amazing thank you so Ryan. much for letting me know then like it's Bur- burbank is like the chili capital of socal there's also larry's chili dog there which is so good Justin, I can't wait till you come to L.A. I'll give you the chili tour of Los Angeles, of Burbank. Specifically. <laughs> Any of you guys come to Cincinnati and I'll give you the chili tour of Cincinnati. My favorite place, Blue Ash Chili. They have this uh, they have this chili dog called the Lizard, where instead of a hot dog in the bun, it is a fried pickle spear. And it's <gasps> oh. oh, that <laughs> rocks. <laughs> and this place is called Blue Ass Chili. <laughs> Blue Ash Okay, got it. Okay, I thought it was like a, I thought it was like an avatar tie-in. <laughs> Justin, um, you know, you're you're a fan of, of cinema. You're a fan of films from all different eras. Uh, can you name some of your favorite directors, actors, uh, genres, just so we get a feel for who you are as a cineast? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, as far as genres go, I'm a big fan of. Uh, these sort of poverty row uh, film noir that we're talking about on the show today with Detour. Um, big fan of spaghetti westerns, big fan of 70s kung fu movies, and favorite directors, uh, Lucio Fulci, uh, William Peter Blatty, uh, Orson Welles, Duke Mitchell. Uh, so those are some of my favorite guys right there, yeah. 
now I don't I know you don't work at the Esquire Theater as a regular employee. You're not a projectionist there or or working the concession stand, but I, I assume you go in and out of the place a bit, uh, programming there. Uh, I want to do a lightning round before we get started with our select film selections of today. I want to do a lightning round of films that current films that are playing at the Esquire Theater or have played there recently. So I want you to give me your weed pairing with these movies. I'll try my best, Bob. First, everything, everywhere, all at once. Oh, I actually saw this high. Um, what did I have? I had some uh, some cannabis-infused gummies. Um, I had, uh, it was uh, sativa dominant gummies. I took a couple of them. And so I would probably recommend that for that movie. Uh, there's a lot to pay attention to because stuff is flying at you real fast. Okay, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I would probably recommend something similar. A sativa, probably, to keep track of everything that's going on. Okay, The Northman. Indica. <laughs> Heavy duty Indica. Okay, wow. okay. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of stoner friendly movies playing, both very very mainstream and and kind of indie wood movies playing in in theaters right now that you can catch. There's also that Nick Cage thing, which I I can't remember the name of it. It wasn't one I chose, and I think that's at the Esquire right now too. Which yeah, is super stone super stony, like very post Charlie Kaufman. Let's smoke weed and write mm. movies kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's a really good time to be a stoner and go to the theater right now. I gotta say. Yeah, even if your theater is like the one closest to me and all out of 16 screens, 12 are playing Doctor Strange, you can still get stoned and see that. Uh, we have a couple of plays in the Russian Federation, which probably means that we are breaking international sanctions with this show right now. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, in the interests of world peace, Greg, if we can get more <laughs> Russians and more Americans, it, it could be like the stoner version of Rocky Four here. Well, if we have any listeners in the Ukraine, I want to say congratulations on winning Eurovision. It was a big, it was a very, uh, a lot of competition this year, but you guys pulled through. My favorite song was from Serbia. Everyone look it up. It's really cool. If you're in the Russian Federation or if you're in Stockholm, Sweden or Canberra, Australia or Pakistan, we have listeners in all these places or in the good old US of A or Winnipeg, Canada. If you're in the peg, uh, please reach out to us. Felina, how can they do that? We at Old Movies for Young Stoners really want to hear from you. You can email us at oldmoviesforyoungstoners at gmail.com. That's oldmoviesforyoungstoners at gmail. All one word, no numbers. And you can join us on Instagram at Old Movies for Young Stoners. If there's a classic film that you're curious about or a strain that you're really into, please let us know. Did you ever want to forget anything? Did you ever want to cut away a piece of your memory or blot it out? I can't believe that you're in love with me. I hate the thought of being so far away from you, but we'll be together again someday. I'm on your mind each place you go. I was tussling with the most dangerous animal in the world, a woman. Hey, you! Come on if you want to ride. What's your name? You can call me Vera if you like. There's a folding bed behind this door. You know how to work it? I just can't imagine that you love me. Just remember who's boss around here. 
If you shut up and don't give me any arguments, you'll have nothing to worry about. In our first film, Tom Neal as Sad Sack Al Roberts thumbs a ride across the country to get back to his fiancée, only to thrust himself into a tragedy of errors on a long stretch of dusty desert highway. Just when he thinks things can't get any worse, he crosses paths with Anne Savage's Vera, the venom-spitting Queen Cobra of all film noir, and she puts him through hell while giving him a master class on just how bad things can get. Made on a slimmer-than-a-shoestring budget by Poverty Row auteur Edgar G. Ulmer, we have a real gateway drug to classic cinema here with Detour from 1945. Now, uh, Justin, you uh, when we started the podcast, you emailed Corey and you made some suggestions of some films. And one of the film, one of the filmmakers you wanted us to profile was Ulmer, Edgar G. Ulmer, and you mentioned Detour as well as The Black Cat. So this is your pick. So wh- why don't you tell us how you feel about it? Tell us a little something about it. Yeah. So I think that. You nailed that when you say that it's a real good gateway drug to classic cinema because it's it's a little weirder than other films of its type. It's very short. It's only 66 minutes long, so it's an easy watch. It's just a breeze. And I'm a big fan of Ulmer. I think that he's one of the best examples of a director doing a lot with very little. I think the budget for Detour was only uh, like 30 grand, maybe which is just tiny, but he makes the best use out of, um, like, if, if he has a scene that's supposed to take place in New York City, he doesn't have the money to make a New York City set, so what does he do? He just pumps a bunch of fog in there and just has him walk through a big cloud. Um, and says, yep, that's New York City. Um, I think he's a fascinating... That's what I did with my living room, by the way, is I pumped it full of smoke and watched the entire film through that. So... <laughs> I was I was waiting for that joke. I was waiting for it on this episode. Um, but yeah, like you said, I'm a huge fan of The Black Cat. It's probably my favorite universal horror movie. Uh, his film with Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff, the only movie that he got a big budget, really. Um, after that movie, he pretty much was just in uh, like Poverty Row Studios, like PRC. Um, and I think that all of his movies, like, uh, the man from planet X is a really cool science fiction movie he directed that also is just like tons of fog, just pumping it out there. Um, detour was the first of his movies that I saw. And I was immediately impressed with the way he uses tracking shots, uh, uh, like following characters around in a way that, um, I think a lot of people that had the budget similar to him never thought to do. Um, he has a real eye for stuff. And as far as the, the weed element goes, when I smoke, when I watch movies or I consume cannabis, uh, I notice a lot of those things a lot more. I notice the tracking shots. I'm a big visual guy. And so I can really key into what the cinematographers are doing, how the director's telling him to move the camera around. And I think detours just, it's a masterclass. I'm like, you, you watch that and it's just, like I said before, it's proof that you can make something really special with a very low budget. And uh, it has the fatalism of like an EC comic. Uh, this po- the poor Al, man, he's such a loser. And the worst shit just keeps happening to him over and over and over again. And it's just, it's such a cool movie. And I think it's perfect for introducing people to older 
films and it's a great jumping off point for for him as a director uh, most of his movies are only like an hour so felina what did you think of detour how did this strike you i had a great time watching this movie it started off great because i saw it was like an hour and seven minutes long so i was like oh this is perfect i watched it in the morning and i smoked a hybrid it was it was so nice it was so fun to watch because i was so i felt so relaxed watching it watching this guy literally go through hell is so <laughs> like it sucks but it's cool it's so fun the dialogue had me talking in a transatlantic accent all day it just it just it was a good way to start the day i felt good i had okay, fun tell me about the introduction of vera and like how you felt when that happened oh my god yes i was like this bitch is so fun um <laughs> she's so cool and then she was like when she was like oh i knew who who the hell are you i was like i was shocked i was shocked and i i loved it I was I had a great time. Nice. Yeah, I am yes. super unfamiliar with like this is a big hole and this is why I'm doing this podcast is th this these old noirs such a big hole and like people I love and respect like Bob and you Justin like you guys just rattle off titles and I'm like I haven't seen any of these and like you guys go to these festivals and you're like oh tonight they're showing this one oh this one and I'm like oh, I wish I knew about this I'm so jealous so thank you for this jumping off point um and I haven't I have no idea about Almer I can't wait can we do the black cat sometime we're <laughs> the black cat's definitely big on the list it's just not I don't think it's really available streaming you know as part of a service right now but when uh. it turns up it, it goes then we we do some you know you're gonna say it's too european though Corey. it's very i hate european shit. American <laughs> it's very very european. well let, let's talk about how american this movie is for real and for a movie that takes place in los angeles i was like all right a noir in los angeles there are zero cool la locations in this movie. It's, all, it's all sets yeah. and it's all fucking back projection in a car there's so much back projection in this movie you've mm -hmm. one of those back projections might be sunset boulevard or something though yeah <laughs> so don't expect to see like uh angels flight or anything cool in this movie because it ain't there but <laughs> it's like it takes place a lot in apartments i feel like in cars this place mm -hmm. when i was watching it i didn't realize how much i liked it at the time i was like whoa this shit's low budget well these actors are bad whoa you know and then afterwards, it like the more I thought about it, it like really stuck with me. I'm like, well, actually, that was pretty haunting. And wait, that shot, the fiance is singing it with the shadows of the, the jazz band behind her. I'm like, well, that's like German expressionism almost. I, I had to really sink in because it happened. The movie happened so fast and there's so many twists and turns. And uh, the dialogue is so fast that it kind of just punches you in the face. I loved it. Yeah, I think it's bad acting. The sets are bad. But I ended up really loving this fucking movie. I love the character. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Ted Al. Uh, what's his name? Al. Al. Oh, thanks, Al. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I, I'm glad everyone agrees that he's such a sad sack. And he looks like he's crying. He's on the verge of tears the whole movie. And I don't know if that's yep. good acting or, I don't, or that's just the way his face is. <laughs> it probably is good acting because the thing about Tom Neal is he was kind of a badass. He was like an ex-boxer. And he was in a love triangle with this actress. I forget what her name is. I didn't write that down. He, She was like dumping him for this early method actor, Franco Tone, and mm -hmm. um, Neil comes in and he 
beat the crap out of tone and shattered his cheekbone and really messed up his face and he had to have primitive plastic surgery to to work in hollywood again and and are you all sitting down tom neal murdered his wife in uh, something similar to detour they were it was his wife in the early 60s he'd been married a few times he was one of those kinds of guys and they were his story was they were struggling for the gun she got the their handgun and it went off and she died and the jury believed him more or less because he got off with a manslaughter charge and wow he did like five years and then he died like a few months later what see all this is the wow. kind of shit this is the kind of shit that just adds to this this movie it opens with this scene where these guys he's uh he al is just so upset he's drinking in a diner and, <laughs> and he fights with this guy over um a song on the jukebox and then you know <clears throat> it's that that's the framing device of how he tells the story to us and it's a good framing device it works really well and he speaks really hard-boiled and old school it's really funny I, i'm wondering if like you know, it's they're like fighting over like the most like mellow, like Benny Goodman jazz shit. And I wonder <laughs> it's before rock before rock music. If like dudes like rocked out to this, like doodah music, like, yeah, this is the jam because it's like the most easy listening stuff. So I don't know. Um, but this <laughs> this movie is good for stoners because it has it's about a musician and it has a lot mm-hmm. of music in it. And he ends up hating music, which I really relate to and love. And uh, I don't know. <laughs> you, like, he's like he's like a musician who like he's, he's like burned by the music industry because he just ends up being like kind of a loser piano player at a shitty jazz club. Right. Um, and it, doesn't he like say one time, like, I don't know, it was it, there was like this poignant line where he talks about how like he was made to feel cheap by a customer or something. Like a customer just treat, oh, treated yeah. him like like a little like oh you're such a cute piano player and he's like I got to get out of this fucking business and it was really cool that's like right. very yeah. very apt cool line that, you know that's I mean? an amazing scene I I love yeah. that one because he's playing this almost like avant garde switching like a almost a John Zorn like switching from from genre to genre from classical to weird yes. John it's Cage like- sounding things and he's it's amazing virtuoso performance and you're just watching him while he's going off and everybody in the, this cheap little dive is just kind of talking and someone comes, you know, the waiter comes up to a guy and I just had the feeling like the guy was going to be like, give this guy 10 bucks to fucking stop, you know, (laughs) (laughs) please stop. But he was instead just kind of giving him a, giving him a, a, a little like just a, a ten dollar tip and just the, the musical aspect of like being kind of a a scorn or a jaded artist as another layer to this movie i think is so cool it's like the red shoes kind of and like fuck right. la, la la land this is the the la jazz movie <laughs> well, yeah <laughs> oh, it's such a better version of la la land yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, I didn't even talk about Vera. So uh, well, who's the actress that plays Vera? And is- her name is Anne Savage, and she's she's definitely savage. I mean, Damn. she spits her life. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. You did it. It's like That's silly. Funny. It's silly acting, but it's so fun to watch. It's out of this world to watch, and it really like her. it moves. Yeah, it moves this movie through. So I don't know. She. I mean, mm-hmm. her shoulders must have hurt after filming this from carrying this fucking movie. 
but <laughs> <laughs> there's a point and I've, I've seen this movie a few too many times and and uh <laughs> you, know, well, you, you can't see it a few too many. no no it's it's fine uh this is a movie that definitely as most noirs especially noirs with twists they are best your first time and then they will never be quite as good again because it's like it's about those moments where you mm-hmm. are not expecting that thing around the corner and that fucked up thing happens they're now watching it it's like yeah she's putting him through hell but how can he not find her sexy just give in just plot Literally. to plot to bilk that rich family just go along with it already that that yeah. other lady your <laughs> your fiance who still left you anyway to go to la yeah. and you follow her why are you still chasing her she's boring you know just look, look like even and savage even when she's walking down that palmdale highway and those scenes were filmed in palmdale by the way yeah yeah that sweater that doesn't fit her right it's all kind of bursting open you know it's like one side's too small and her hair's all messed up and she just she, you know she just looks like she's pissed at you all the time how can you yeah. not fall for that she might kill you in your sleep, but what a way to go. <laughs> she says, uh, don't I rate a whistle? The dialogue is so good in this movie, yeah. too. Yeah, like, is, I, I mean, is I, that, I is, is, that Almer, like, is that Almer writing the dialogue? Because, um, or I don't know, it's very quick and very funny, a lot of this movie. I don't think oh he, I don't think he would have had a handle on it. Let's see who wrote the script to this. It's a uh, Martin Goldsmith. I mean, money, what is it? A piece of paper crawling with germs. Oh, I mean, God. that oh. is, I love that. That, that, that's so good. And yeah, and, that, that, uh, this movie, it's so nihilistic that, that they don't even give a shit about money ultimately, you know? No, he yes. doesn't care. He, yeah. I, I love like it, it, once you go down the path of more Omer movies, uh, Omer has this tendency to have lots of really grotesque punchlines in his movies mm. and there's two of them in mm. here. There's the first guy that picks them up and then there's the end of the movie with the telephone cord and don't like, say anymore about yeah that. i won't i won't okay <laughs> yeah and, and you know, like bob i've seen this movie uh, many many times but this was the first time i had seen the um restored version so it was kind of like watching it uh for the first time in some ways just the level of grime and sweat and Te- the texture of the raindrops and the, the grit on everything—it was highly recommended to see. If you can see the, the the restored version, the first time I saw it, you could barely hear the dialogue, and you could barely see. You know, it was in very rough shape. So, kudos to those who restored this film. The restoration is amazing, and I, I saw it. I was lucky enough to see it at BAM PFA in Berkeley, the Berkeley Art mm-hmm. Museum Pacific Film Archive. And I, I've seen, you know, I watched it on on Canopy this way. It's on Canopy and Criterion, the restored version. But I couldn't resist, guys. On Prime, there is a colorized version, and it's from one of the earlier terrible prints. And oh my colorized- god. This is probably going to sink me as a as a old movie weirdo a bit, but colorized movies are a bit of guilty pleasure in that I feel very guilty about them. 
but they uh-huh. are trippy. And I watched like the first 20 minutes or so of the colorized version on Prime. And it's like, they're just, everybody looks like they're radioactive. Like they just are <laughs> oh, slapping yeah. color on it. Like uh, the color of people's, the weird peach color of the white people's faces bleeds into the background in these terrible ways. It's uh, so fucking awful. It is like getting a fine... <laughs> meal at the, your best Italian restaurant or French restaurant and then just slathering everything in Miracle Whip is what watching. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ted Turner. Yeah. Was this a Ted Turner colorized job or it was, it was, no, that movie's kind of been in public domain or in and out of public domain or hanging on the edge of it. And somebody just took a shitty print, you know, and they just slapped a bunch of digital color on it. Who knows what they did it? Did they do it in the 90s and the mid 2000s? They did it because they could. And that's what's <laughs> on Prime. Um, I couldn't resist watch it. Like I said, I could only get through like 15 minutes of it. Cause I'm like, this wow. is too terrible, but I, I, you know, it's like a car accident on, on streaming. You have to watch. <laughs> is this the best Elmer film? Uh, Probably the I, most iconic. I would say either this or the black cat. Uh-huh. Um, I actually what's, saw what's... one on TCM that recently where it was like, um, uh, they went to the future, which was like 2022 or three, and the, it was like a weird wasteland. Do you know the one I'm talking about? They just showed it on TCM. Beyond the time, that, that's yes. like the first of his movies I saw, probably on Creature Features, called uh-huh. uh, Beyond, it's called Beyond the Time Barrier. And yes. I saw, I saw that on it's Creature awful. Features, and even when I was like 10 years old or however old I was, it, it was just so weird to me. It was just, mm-hmm. this movie is like, you could just, you even on creature features, even horror sci-fi movies of the past, which the past then was before 1980, because mm-hmm. uh, that's all there was. Um, you know, it was <laughs> like, it was, I, I could tell this, I was drawn to it because it was different. I mean, it's, it is, it is just so low budget. And is mm-hmm. it as good as George Powell's The Time Machine? No, but it's definitely weirder. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I kind of like Beyond the Time Barrier, honestly. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, the other Omer ones that are kind of closer to Detour, um, there's one that he directed called Murder Is My Beat. That's pretty good. <gasps> Ten years later. And that's about a nightclub singer, Corey. So he did a good adaptation of Bluebeard uh, with John Carradine. The, nice. the the famous woman strangler Bluebeard. <laughs> you, you know, in like, and it might just be because I'm reading like monster movie magazines, but in the 80s, that would be besides the black cat, that would be the one that would get talked about the most. Uh, that was like his, you know, maybe even a little more than Detour for a while. That was like, oh, this is, you know, this is a B movie, zero budget discovery that movie had a moment for a while kind of on the the um you know revival film circuit the retro film circuit uh there's also man from planet x another zero budget sci-fi movie of his uh what the transparent man and he did um like after the black cat he he uh seduced away the wife of one of the Lemleys, the people who owned Universal. He uh stole the wife of one of one of the Lemley nephews. Uh and so he was kind of 
kind of uh, blacklisted from the industry. He was on the outs from the industry and never quite recovered. And before he hooked up with Producers Releasing Corporation, PRC, the zero-budget, poverty, most poverty-stricken of the Poverty Row Studios, he went back east. He went to New York, and he... He was directing like race films. He directed uh, films for African Americans and Yiddish language films. Oy vey. Oh wow! That's, so you could pull up his got any titles. Uh, yeah, Moon but... over Harlem is the is the uh, African American <laughs> one. I watched that, was... that this week. Oh, how is that? Well, the only prints available of Moon over Harlem look like shit. Like. Mm really bad picture quality um and the audio quality is bad it's on tubi right now believe it or not but mm. it's i still enjoyed it because i thought there was a lot there they're really it felt very authentic um it's an all-black cast and it's made in 1939 and so just getting a window wow. into that community at that time period is fascinating stuff and there are a couple of the Omar Omer uh, trademarks where he's got those he's got those tracking shots where people will just be chilling on a couch, but he feels the need to take the camera from one doorway and then slowly push it through the room just to people having a conversation. And it's that extra it's that extra mile right. that makes it makes it cool to watch even the crummiest version that's available. Nice. So what kind of weed would you smoke with Detour? Uh, Corey, you go first, then Felina, then Greg, or then Justin, then Greg. Let's. Uh... All right. For Detour, it's a quick watch and it's a jazz age, like really uh, buzzy, like, hey, hard boiled kind of thing. So I like I wanted to smoke like the guy does in Reefer Madness, where he's just like frantically smoking <laughs> a joint. So I suggest a, a low THC thing that you could just smoke a lot of i picked the lamb's bread flour um it was uh originally produced in africa by way of jamaica lamb's bread is said to have been among bob marley's favorite strain it's an uplifting uh weed that uh gets, makes you feel creative it's a sativa that makes uh, you feel introspective yet active and that's whether writing music hiking the mountains or watching ulmer movies um lamb's bread is my recommendation for detour Nice. I was smoking a, uh, I got this big pack of 14 gram canna botanica. This stuff I've been, I've been loving it. This is okay. Canna botanica. This is apple fritter. The strain. It is a hybrid. Um, I've been getting these 14 gram, like half, half ounce, uh, bags and just making like rolling so many joints. And I've been having so much fun. So I, I, this strain specifically makes my body feel very relaxed, but my mind still active, which makes me, I feel it was perfect for detour because I was just sitting and staring. Um, but I was still thinking, which is nice. (laughs) Justin. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely with uh, Felina on this one to kind of have your body relaxed and your mind thinking. Um, I had a kind of higher THC uh, hybrid that's about 50-50 sativa and indica called Southside Legend. Um, but I've also seen Detour a couple times, so I knew what I was in for. So I just wanted to sink into the couch and be re-familiarized with everything. Um, I think that 
a hybrid probably would be the best just to kind of get you get your body fully relaxed and let the uh the sativa elements kind of work your work your brain get get stuff thinking because i think some of the shocks that happen later in the movie um benefit from uh being being a little spaced out so and greg quickly quickly Uh, there's no time i had a um uh, I vaped some lemon margie and it's a a, a pretty high THC uh, indica dominant hybrid. Um, and I thought it was I thought it was great. Of course, I've seen you know detour uh, many times, probably over five times. Um, so it kind of got me relaxed in the zone and I appreciated the visuals and kind of sunk into the couch and into a pit of despair simultaneously. Before we move on, I have one TikTok to talk about. So I found only one uh, TikTok that mentioned Detour. uh, And it was basically a compilation of film noir slang. um, And the quote that they used from for this one was, remember, we're both in the soup if anything happens. And the comments were... Pretty minimal also, but someone said, noir is so good. That's it. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of slang in this movie, they say, uh, I'm going to get tight. We're getting tight. Is tight? Tight means drunk, right? All right. I didn't know. I never heard that before. So now I know. Detour is streaming without ads on Canopy and Criterion Channel and free with ads on Tubi, Roku Channel, and Pluto. Plus... There's a blasphemous colorized print on Prime if you really need to go there. Bob Calhoun. The shock and shame story of a night girl. Starring Constance Towers. The naked kiss a motion picture not for the squeamish but powerful entertainment for those who enjoy reality in the raw when i came to this town i was a prostitute next morning i quit those bonbons aren't there just to serve drinks you know i know get compliments clothes cash you'll meet men you live on and men who live on you. And those are the only men you'll meet. The Naked Kiss, when a woman bears what she really is. What were your relations with this woman? I was her uh, business manager. Marlon, when I ask you a question, I want the right answer! I washed my face clean the morning I woke up in your bedroom. You got morals in my room? I saw a broken down piece of machinery. Nothing but the buck, the bed, and the bottle for the rest of my life. I'm trying your side of the fence. Is there a law against it? Is there anything wrong with it? (laughs) 
And for our second feature, we have Constance Towers as a vengeful ex-hooker who dishes out beatings to pimps and madams and tries to go legit by becoming a nurse to children with disabilities, only to find out that polite society hides secrets more twisted than anything you'd find in the sleaziest brothel. From Sam Fuller, the two-fisted cigar-chomping bringer of the raw and the real, and Hollywood's patron saint of society's outcasts. From 1964, we have The Naked Kiss. Uh, I want to, this is like a hard-boiled women's picture, so I want to hand this off to Felina first. Felina, thoughts on The Naked Kiss? I I lean more towards liking it than I do hating it because a lot of it is, you know, the time. I have a lot of fun watching this movie. I think I might have been, at first, I think I was too stoned. And then by the end of it, I was not stoned enough. I got way too high at the beginning. There's a lot of uh, stuff in this movie that makes your heart hurt <laughs> kind of makes your your heart feel like it's sink it's sinking into its into your stomach so it was a, it was a little bit hard to watch but um overall i really did enjoy this the story and i really loved the acting and i think also it is con it was constance tower's birthday yesterday <gasps> happy um, birthday happy birthday she's she's still she's still with us right She's still alive. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Constance Towers. Mazel tov. Awesome. She's so yeah. good in this. And it's, it's it's rare even for a movie now. It may be a little more common now post Kill Bill and all that. But for female rage to that character that exhibits female mm -hmm. rage to still be the sympathetic character. Her acting was really amazing in this. She was really cool. <laughs> What an opening, huh? What a what a opening. Yeah. That's probably the yeah. coolest. I, I felt I've ever so seen. intrigued. Yeah. Um, it op it opens with her just beating the shit out of her pimp. It tell <laughs> it tells so much with so little dialogue. And then um the big reveal is that she's bald and her wig falls off during this fight, and we don't know why. Uh, mm -hmm. and it's striking. And then she fixes her wig and fixes her makeup during while the credits run over her face in this amazing, amazing shot that she starts off looking like a fucking mess. And by the end of the credits, she's like super beautiful and it's very effective. And I was knocked out by that opening scene. Um, this is the first time I've ever seen this. Probably my first Fuller film. What's his like biggest movie? Uh, pick up on South Street. Yeah, okay. Is, I uh, never heard of that in my with, life. <laughs> with uh, with um, Richard Widmark. It's it's definitely a movie we'll get to at some point. And Shock uh, Corridor. Shock yeah. Corridor. Yeah. I've heard of that. <laughs> a big red one is the one that was made maybe during your lifetime. I'm not quite sure on that, but the big red one, which is this big World War II movie that Mark Hamill is in from like 19. No, no, the big red one's about this dog, Clifford. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, this movie deals with so much like dark shit. It's fun. This movie's mm -hmm. funny as fuck. There's so many funny lines in this movie. There's one line where the madam in this cat house is like, uh, yeah, she used to be a platinum blonde, but I made her change her hair color back to her peasant <laughs> hair, which is very funny. Anyway, this movie is very funny, but it does. It, it, it's so melodramatic and 
like shiny and beautiful and romantic like a soap opera but it has all this dark shit underneath and i'm sure david lynch watched this movie and learned a lot from this movie because it nails that sinister there's sinister stuff going on beneath the surface of a surface of you know these beautiful houses and these beautiful people so yeah this movie kind of knocked me out I, I love that it's very in the style of like melancholy soap opera it worked for me i love how stuff just happens she's a hooker and now she's a nurse and now she's falling in love i don't need a big build-up i don't need a bunch of exposition i like when stuff just happens and it happens really fast in this movie and it's fine i bought into it because just the dreamlike way it is handled acting it just worked for me um uh, I, there's so many hot babes in this movie and every guy in this movie is super ugly. So I just want to let everyone know that a lot of black and white. <laughs> <people. laughs> and, and yeah, there's th that opening scene really knocked me out. And then the scene where she uh, there's a scene where Constance Towers kicks the shit out of a, a madam, which really also knocked me out. Um, this movie does that thing that Night of the Hunter does where it's like really dark and sinister. And then like it's a bunch of kids singing. Um, and it turns a little Disney movie, but it works in this movie. I hate when kids sing. I love the song that the kids sing in this movie. And oh, it really it's really effective. Amazing. Right. And um, yeah. yeah, it is super precursor to like 70s revenge films. And uh, I love a revenge film. And this is a very early version of that. And I, I loved it. This is everything I like about movies. So I really love the naked kiss. Justin, uh, we'll talk a little bit about The Naked Kiss and, and Sam Fuller. You probably have some things about Sam Fuller to say there. Yeah, so this was a first-time watch for me as well. Oh. Sam Fuller, up until recently, was kind of a blind spot for me. I had seen his uh, 80s movie, White Dog, years oh. and years ago, and really liked that. But this whole period of mid-60s for him with the naked kiss, and I think is Shock Corridor the next year. Uh, let's see, Shock Corridor is the year before because this is part of the SFCU <laughs> Fuller Cinematic Universe. There's a lot of verticals going on here yeah. because the novel that Constance Towers is reading is his uh, journalism, yellow journalism novel, and uh, when she gets to town, the movie playing at the theater is Shock Corridor. So yeah. That's on the marquee. Oh yeah, I love that shot. And I mean, Shot Quarter, I think, is one of like the top 10 movies of the 1960s. Like, hands down, that movie is incredible and it just punches you in the gut. Mm -hmm. Um, and this movie, like Corey was saying, that opening scene reminded me a lot of uh Jeff Lieberman's Blue Sunshine. Uh -huh. <laughs> With the wig coming off. Oh, she's bald, and then that. What again, what Corey was talking about, the, the credits just over her face reminded me a lot of Jean-Luc Godard. Um, and there's a lot in this movie that did kind of remind me of the early 60s French New Wave. I don't actually know how Samuel Fuller felt about the French New Wave. He might have like beat me up for saying that. But uh, there was a lot of that influence that I saw in there and... I had heard of this. I had heard like the basic plot of this. I kind of knew what was coming. I not not every twist and turn, and certainly not the last twist. But Constance Towers, her performance in this is just incredible. Like she has to do so much, and she's on screen so much, and it's just of just mind-blowing stuff from her in this. Um, 
there were plenty of times when I just, when the, when all the disabled, physically disabled children are all up on their crutches and start singing that song and there's all the close-ups of their faces, I just put my hands on my head and was like, ah, just <laughs> such bravado filmmaking from Samuel Fuller, just incredible stuff. Um, the, the camera work was great. I, I liked Michael Dante as the, as JJ, JL Grant in this, the, the wealthy, mm-hmm. wealthy kind of, um, biggest figurehead in the town kind of the philanthropist yeah yeah he really did a great job he switches care like his his face turns into a different face when his character turn when his heel turn sorry i don't mean i recognized edie williams in there oh yeah one of the the girls one of the stars from beyond the beyond the valley of the dolls she's in this for like (gasps) five minutes was she the Uh, one that was she the one that comes out and she's like thanks for getting me the job griff was that her Yes. yes dude yeah. she's awesome <laughs> yes <laughs> oh my like god strap you on sometime <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah my god. I just, oh my god she's so good i i really 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 love this this is five stars all day from me i think like i said i think naked kiss shot corridor those two movies back to back i can't think of another director who had such such strong one two back to back like that just incredible stuff and um i was actually wondering bob or or greg or any of you guys know what happens to constance towers because i don't really know her career that well but looking at her imdb it looks like she stopped working after this movie for like 20 years there's a there's an interview with her on criterion that's about this movie but unfortunately it is just to this movie and she might mention what happens to her i mean a lot of times women just kind of because they got tired of producers trying to put their hands on them and then they got married and wanted to have kids and all kinds of combinations thereof they Mm -hmm. just left for a while you know it's a it's a it can be especially for women can be a hard life and unnecessarily so but yeah yeah. i'm just curious because yeah i just checked and she's in the naked kiss in 64 and then she's not in another movie until uh, 1985. Wow. 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 Greg, have you seen this one before? Uh, yeah, this is one of my favorite movies of the 60s. I kind of put it in this subcategory that I've kind of uh, curated a little bit, which is which I call uh, woke trash the, of the 1960s. <laughs> There's a few movies that are kind of like this, like Private Property, The Incident. I would put Shot Corridor in that. The in that Intruder. Time. The Intruder. From exactly. episode one, yeah. These are movies that are essentially exploitation movies, but have a social conscience, whether or not it's handled properly in the movie is a whole other matter. But there is kind of a social issue that is kind of being worked out uh, in the experiment and terror I would put in there. Um, Blake Edwards. I love these movies. And this is absolutely one of my one of my favorites. It's hard to pin down, you know, and I don't know a whole lot about Fuller the Man, but I kind of assume that he's a little bit like John Ford, like don't try to put your artistic assumptions uh, on me, you know, like that famous Bogdanovich interview where he's just like, you're full of shit, Bogdanovich, like trying to ask what this movie's about. It's about Westerns, you know. I kind of assume that Fuller is a bit like that in terms of the um, creativity, but 
because he's so two-fisted is such a cigar chomping guy with journalism and stuff but his his heart is so much in the right place that it's a really fascinating dichotomy between the the wokeness and the exploitation to me and and there's there's something about it that is part soap opera part um part melodrama and yet literally and without giving anything away the subject matter could not be any darker like it really cannot be any darker um so i i find it really fascinating and and it's one of my favorite movies of his there i haven't seen all the fuller movies but uh, this is this is right up there i love it dad you're such an ass no <laughs> <laughs> um no she's uh, pretentious I, he, is he is pretentious. He is pretentious. We don't need to bring this up now, but you are. Um, okay. And it's not a bad ah, thing. Sick bird. <laughs> you need some ice for that bird, dad. Thing. I do. I need to sit on it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um. Well, yeah, I definitely... Um. It's it's really it is something I feel like you you I feel like you should be mentally prepared before you watch it. It's all I'm saying. Like you you should watch it, but you should be mentally prepared. <laughs> That's a really good point because I I feel like there are many movies that we cover on this podcast where you can start the movie and start rolling your joint or start smoking weed at the same time that your movie experience begins your weed experience can begin so that even if you're not fully high until the end of act one it's okay this movie very different i you need to pre-game this movie mm-hmm. you know for for all the potheads out there you need the intro to this movie to smack you in the face and 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 blow your mind right off the bat like if you don't you may not feel like getting stoned after her. <laughs> so while we're there, Greg, yeah. what weed yeah. would you smoke with it? Oh, oh man. Well, I stuck with the lemon Margie on this. You know, that's the weed I have right now. I'm <laughs> uh, I'm not the expert of like pairing, but uh, but it's it's great. Like you know, I I honestly think that you can't go wrong with any kind of weed with this movie. Like you can smoke whatever you got. It's 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 a great stoner film it's surreal as fuck it's dark as fuck and um so yeah i think i literally think you can't go wrong but i i really enjoyed the lemon party uh justin yeah so i when i before the movie started i had some uh camino brand cannabis gummies sativa dominant hybrid i had the uh pineapple habanero flavor um because i wanted to be sharp i wanted mostly sativa because i had Mm -hmm. not seen it and I wanted to be sharp. I wanted to make sure that I was catching all the details of the plot as it was happening. And that worked pretty well for me throughout the movie until it started to get too dark. And then I was like, holy shit. And then I got pulled out the Southside legend again and just got ripped for the last 25 minutes. And it was terrifying. I would, I would recommend a, that's probably a sativa uh, dominant hybrid. That's, that's kind of where my head's at on it. 
I feel like my pick would pair really well with Justin's jalapeno pineapple Camino gummies. Mm. I drank a four pack of Paps Blue Ribbon has a new weed seltzer and I drank the mango. Oh. It, I mean, what? Yeah. Mango blood cells, blood orange seltzer. They're 10 milligrams each. They're like zero calories. I'm on a diet. It, oh, got, me, it got me plenty. I pregame two of them and then I drank the other two during the movie. Highly recommend Paps Blue Ribbon new weed seltzer. So like my dad, listen, I'm 21. I'm balling on a budget. I'm (laughs) again, this thing is like 80 bucks and it's more than two of those little guys. So Cannibal can Cannibotanica 14 grams. Yes, because I wasn't stoned enough at the end. I would probably recommend also like using a vape like wall like like smoking during <laughs> keep it just up so that, keep it up just keep it up <laughs> um there was one tiktok and it was a clip of the intro where she was like take the 75 i only i'm only taking the 75 dollars uh <laughs> okay the first comment was like i would have taken interest this is the difference between old women. We know better now. He owes every last dime. <laughs> then awesome. there's, but he gave you an $85 haircut. Um, that is the next. <laughs> that is the next. You know, it was a good awful. device to show that she was a hooker with a heart of gold, though. You know what I mean? She Definitely. And the last one that I will say is Will and Jada question mark is what somebody else said. Uh, I'm very bad. I got a text from Justin last night who was like, yo, check out that wine glass she's drinking out of. How about that wine glass? It looks just like a bong. (laughs) There's a lot of parts in this movie. Like she is awesome. Constance Tower, the violence, the bursts of violence and her weapon of choice being a, a, a stiletto and oh, yeah. and 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 just the way that she explodes in unexpected violence is almost like John Wick like levels like she is almost like uh i i i mean her her character is just fantastic and her scene with the owner of the the madame of the of the brothel is a great great scene of just ex- just an explosion of violence i love that I mean, it's a steady shot of her just kicking the shit out of someone and the set falls apart around her and it's so visceral. And it's like, I want to just say world star when that happened. Like, it's like, (laughs) yeah, then it, it, it balances that out in this way that's somewhat discordant with the creepy, weird, sad. Uh, musical number with the children with disabilities but then there's also that dream sequence where where the uh town's benefactor they're talking about venice and it's like this venice dream romantic it's so cool yeah and and you know what it all works it all it's all the same language and it's all very cinematic Mm -hmm. and it's kind of what i want movies to always be the Naked Kiss is streaming on Prime, not colorized this time. Criterion Channel, HBO Max, Tubi, and Canopy, a free video streaming service available from participating public libraries. Ask your librarian about it and sign up.
If you like the show, please subscribe on SoundCloud, Apple, or Spotify, and follow us on Instagram at Old Movies for Young Stoners or on Twitter at OM number four Y Stoners. That's OM four Y Stoners. Please stay in touch. Hey, Justin, uh, thanks so much for stopping by and thanks for supporting the show. Uh, how can people get a hold of you? And is there anything else coming up at the Esquire Theater that our listeners should watch out for? Uh, thank you guys so much for letting me on the show. Like I said up top, I uh, super appreciate what you guys do with the show, recommending old movies. Uh, you can find me. Uh, I am on Instagram and Twitter under No Fun Justin. I'm on Letterboxd as well under my name. The record store that I curate and manage the movie section at is Torn Light Records here in Cincinnati, tornlightrecords.com, and we're on social media. Uh, as far as upcoming screenings go, like you said, I'm not sure when this episode drops, but we're doing one of the biggest weed movies of all time, The Harder They Come, this coming Wednesday, the 25th at 7.30 p.m. Um, and then June, last, we do our screenings the last Wednesday of every month at the Esquire. Our June screening is New York Ninja, the recently completed Vinegar Syndrome uh, ninja movie that is a lot of fun. And... In July, we're doing one of my favorite uh, revisionist 90s westerns, Mario Van Peebles' Posse. Uh, and I'm very excited about that. So, uh, yeah. Torn Light now, Records. Now, Justin, are people, people allowed to come to your screenings high? Absolutely. Okay, great. So that wraps up what will be the first of probably many forays into film noir on old movies for young stoners. But hey, everybody, you know what else is coming to the Esquire Theater at 320 Ludlow Avenue in Cincinnati? No, Bob. <laughs> What's, What's coming, coming to, to the, the Esquire, Esquire Theater, Theater at, at 320 Ludlow Avenue, Avenue in, in Cincinnati? Cincinnati. Baz Lerman's Elvis is coming to the Esquire Theater and a theater near you. And so it is time for our Elvis episode. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, so, so it's finally time for our Elvis episode. We talked about this way back in episode two of Old Movies for Young Stoners. And so next time... First, we'll have the king of rock and roll hanging out with mariachis in romance and Ursula Andres in fun in Acapulco. Then we switch gears for a bit of Elvis panic, where Kubrick's favorite character actor, Tim Carey, becomes a very Elvis-like cult leader in the world's greatest sinner. Be here in two weeks, give or take, for a hunk of burning weed on Old Movies for Young Stoners. Uh, we hear the trailer, which the trailer is pretty good on this one because I, you know, I hate it when a trailer doesn't have lots of voiceover and thrill too, you know, cause when you're listening to it, you want yeah. that stupid voiceover. Uh, uh, I, love when they, I love when they talk about the actors, like as the actors, they're like, oh, and this guy, he's so handsome. You've seen him before. He's very friendly. He has friends. He's friends <laughs> with Liza Minnelli. He's cool. Like, yes. I love yeah. when they like just talk about the actor. They need to do. <laughs> they need to do they need to do that yeah. more. he's they a scientologist he does all his own stunts you know him you love him he divorced <laughs> he hasn't seen his kids siri in four years <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> top gun maverick
<laughs> thrill to the greatest thrill to the greatest in aviation photography yeah. courtesy of the u.s navy 